The Help Show is a podcast dedicated to connecting individuals to mental health resources in the community. The Help Show is more than a podcast. It is a movement focused on change. Our objectives are to change the perception and stigma associated with mental health, encourage those with mental health disease to get help, foster access to mental health resources, and remove barriers to mental health resources, including those encountered in undeserved communities. We remain committed to supporting the mental health needs of the community during the COVID-19 pandemic. the world has changed dramatically in a short period of time. The Help Show is here to help and navigate through the changes and address your mental health needs. Seek help when needed. If distress impacts your daily life for several days or weeks, talk to a clergy member, counselor, or doctor, or contact SAMHSA Helpline at 1-800-985-5990. The crisis worker will work to ensure that you feel safe and help identify options and information about mental health services in your area. Your call is confidential and free. This podcast is sponsored by Good Coworking. Good Coworking is the first solar-powered co-working community in the world focused on cultivating profitable businesses that do right by the people plus the planet, all while keeping you safe in a beautiful plant-filled wellness center space. Get an address for your business, which comes with two daytime co-working days per month to get your meetings done, all for the quarterly cost of $150. Good Work have many membership options, from frequent flyer to office rental, so let good co-working help you find just the right space to help you balance your life and work. Located in Dallas, Texas, just south of Deep Ellum. Check out goodcoworking.co and tell them the Help Show sent you. Welcome back, guys, for part two, series seven, episode 106, Who's Really Suffering? Food Security and Mental Health. According to Public Health Nutrition in 2017, a systematic review assessing household food insecurity, primarily in the Americas and Europe, found that women were 40% more likely to report food insecurity, and that female head households were 75% more likely for food insecure than male headed households. Also, according to Reguero Beneficio article, revealing cropland abandonment and food insecurity in war ravaged South Sudan, approximately 821 people were facing food insecurity in 2017, of whom 124 million had acute need of food. Today, we have a really special guest. Introducing Taryn Allen. Yay! Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to, um, to have you here today. Um, first of all, I would like the audience to know a little bit about Taryn. So tell us what you got going on, Taryn. Absolutely. Licensed clinical social worker. I um, have a therapeutic counseling firm well within my space that services all of Texas, Florida, and New Jersey were um, with therapy for persons of color at an affordable rate. What's special about our firm is that we are all licensed social workers. So not only do we address your therapeutic needs, we needs we address some of the needs that you experience outside of there, which could be food insecurity. And so I think it's really important that we focus in on not only our clients' mental health needs, but also their personal needs as well. I like that, Taryn. Uh, Florida too? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> California's next. Oh, I, I like that. I like that. Um, so I'm going to get this podcast going. Um, the first question I have for you is the effects of malnutrition and mental health. So I kind of want to touch that topic. 
So what does starvation do to the brain? I think we learn early on, especially with children, how starvation affects the brain. You always hear them say, oh, eat a big meal before you take your star test or test test or whatever they're calling that, mm -hmm. that benchmark test that the kids take these days, or just in reinforcing the importance of eating breakfast. And that is because your brain needs those nutrients to function. It needs that fuel. And without those things, it makes it very hard to pay attention, to stay focused, mm -hmm. to do the things that you need to do. So I think we've seen really early on with children the importance of having access to food and just to even start your day. Even when we go a little further in, in utero with children, if mom doesn't have those healthy options, if she doesn't have access to the nutrients that she needs while she is pregnant, we've mm -hmm. seen the effects of how children can grow up with malnourished and even poor eating habits, even from in utero. I did not know that. Absolutely, that's super important that the mom has access to those. It's not just enough to have prenatals. You also need to be eating healthy right. because those are the stepping stones that teaches your child what what they will like, what their palate is like, right. and what they're able to um, explore as well. Okay, okay. So I wanna go into the systematic health effects of food insecurity in times of disaster. So right now, everybody knows that we're, I mean, not we are, <laughs> but um, Ukraine is in war with Russia, or Russia and Ukraine, whoever goes first. <laughs> but um, that's a disaster. And you have you people that are from Ukraine fleeing for safety. And so how does that food insecurity in times of disaster, how does it uh, like affect them? And then also I want to talk about um, food disasters in the United States. I definitely was gonna to touch on that in the North Texas area and even in the Louisiana region, we've recently had some natural disasters mm -hmm. that have caused possible food security issues, mm -hmm. whether that's your inability to get fresh foods because there's something that's happened to the grocery store or mm -hmm. you are your home was affected and maybe your food was destroyed that way. So I think that's a reoccurring issue that we see with natural disasters and having access to that food. Those things are so vital and so important. If we're thinking um, psychologically about your hierarchy of needs, mm -hmm. that lowest part of that triangle is just food, shelter, safety, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So Absolutely. not having access to that food, any other needs above that, your emotional needs, your um, mental health needs, all of those are obsolete until we can address what the basic needs that you would have day to day, which is just eating, having access to that Absolutely. food. So if we're in a disaster or if we're in a war-torn country, it's hard for someone to make good, logical, rational decisions when I'm trying to figure out where our next meal comes from. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, back to um, the brain, it, it functions it, how you think. You know, just imagine you're not eating for a day or two. I can't even not eat, like eight, after eight hours I'm not good. So just, just imagine not eating for that long of length of time, how it affects you, not just, you know, it affects you mentally, um, it affects you physically. Mm -hmm. um, and so the question is, with that disaster, how, how would a person go into like, in a place of like getting the help that they need? 
One of the big things is that we always want to center around that community. What do the churches have available? What is the Red Cross, if you're here in the United States, have available and sometimes in Europe? You want to get to those disaster centers as quickly and as urgently as you can mm -hmm. to get those basic needs solved, food and shelter. And you're absolutely right about that brain function. I mean, we've seen it through test scores. We've seen mm -hmm. it through classroom conduct. Absolutely. If you don't have the nutrition, the food, the things that you need to mm -hmm. make it through the day, your body will react. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I want to move along. Um, ways to protect against food insecurity and poor mental health. Okay, so how to implement food education in the minority and low income neighborhoods? This is a big one. It is. Because I am from the southern sector. And so, we, I see these food insecurities in the neighborhoods. I see it in my mom's neighborhood. I see it in the surrounding neighborhood. So, I really want to kind of tackle and touch touch on that. Absolutely, I think that's huge, right? One of the ways that we could deal with that is just access. It's just having those places. It's having a grocery store and not gas station food stores. It's hard for you to refrigerate fresh meats, fresh produce at a gas station constantly. Absolutely. Yeah, sure, 7-Eleven has bananas, but Whole Foods has a variety of more fruits and vegetables that would be beneficial to that area. And I think you touched on something so important when we talk about the Southern sector. A lot of my research within food security comes from working in Fort Worth in the Stop Six area, actually. Okay. And they are a food desert, a well-known food desert. And so we see high infant mortality rates, we mm. see high classroom conduct issues, and we see high co-health morbidities, diabetes, high blood pressure, things like that. Absolutely. And all of it comes back to access. Absolutely. If we don't have a grocery store, if we aren't teaching people what it means to really garden and produce these things without having a grocery store, then we see those effects and we see those issues. For me, the biggest, um, I feel like, key to it would just be access. Yeah, you know, I think it's access, but I think it's education, too. Because you look at it, okay? So when I was talking to Dr. Indy about this earlier, it's Big Mama tell you know got your collard greens and your chitterlings and all those wonderful you know over processed unhealthy absolutely. which they're very delicious i'm not well, absolutely who don't love a big mom <laughs> but that's how she was brought up that's how she was raised and it doesn't it doesn't always mean it's the right way to be raised because look at the high diabetes you know look at the um what, um, what is it? heart diseases? Absolutely, black Almost women are the highest rate of heart disease and it is genetically linked. Yeah, so, I, so I'm thinking education. Education is very important, but after you teach them, how do you teach them? Because they're so accustomed. I'm not gonna say they, because that sounds like, I, I sound like they. But I mean, like people that are not aware, they just don't know. And you have other people saying, oh, you're gonna eat that or, they belittle you because you eat a certain kind of way, you're healthier. So I, I think that teaching a person how to eat, the education behind mm -hmm. why food with, with nutrition is so important just for your diet in general. And so I feel like the access is important, but with anything, just think about mental health. If you have schizophrenic, um, bipolar schizophrenic, or any of those type of um, diseases, they teach you what kind of medication you're gonna take. Absolutely. So before you have access to it, they teach you what's in it, what's the side effects, 
what it can do to you. If you're, if, if you're, um, if the medication is too high, you can lower the dosage. Mm -hmm. That's all about like, you know, educating those. So I do agree with you wholeheartedly when it's about the access because in, in the Southern sector, we don't have access at all. We have to go to the North. And people that I know, they're like, I'm not eating that meat. It's pink. And it, was, it has food dye in it. So I, I believe what you said is, is absolutely correct. To piggyback on education, I think it's a lot of shifting a cultural mindset, right? right. We come from a culture where food was done to or given to us out of necessity. Like we are mm -hmm. making meals out of things that our ancestors were just given as a backhand, right? right, right. And so of course we've carried that with us in our culture. But so if we do want to educate, we have to shift that cultural mindset right. of what healthy eating can look like, right? right? You could still have greens and we might just not need to use a ham hock, right? Like we might just need <laughs> to use a turkey leg, right? <laughs> right, right. Right, so just still keeping that, <laughs> right, that culture right. that we love that that rich food history that we have, right? Mm -hmm. But I think you're absolutely right, sending it in an education way. I remember going to school, and you know, you remember they teach you that that food pyramid. Oh, I didn't know what a grain was. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know about, what that is so right? true. Like, like, but, <laughs> but only because I did not have that in my home. Like, right. I'm sure I thought of a rice as a, as a carbohydrate, but okay, I only need a little bit of that. Sure, you know, it, if my mom's trying to make sure that our bellies are full, she's gonna put more than that portion on the plate, right? Absolutely. So I, I think it's, a, a, when we talk about education, it's definitely a huge cultural shift on what healthy looks like and yeah. still remaining true to ourselves too. You know, I like the way that you rephrased that, like what it looks like. And it's, it's not a bad thing. And healthy eating doesn't always look like you're, you're a model ski. You know, healthy can mean you can have all the nutrition and not overcook your greens. Mm -hmm. So in, in placement, in portion size. Absolutely. So I got you. That's what's up. <laughs> so um, I also want to talk about the food. I want to talk about um, how can we make healthier options more accessible we spoke about it just a we kind of hit on it we kind of talked about it a little bit but i want to know how can how can we make healthier options more accessible for low income housing i think if we are going to put low income housing in places then we need to make sure that we support the housing right right and beyond food right like if i'm going to build a mixed use income housing development and so what that is, is that maybe I have some people here that are low income, maybe I have some people who are mid income and we, you know, we, we build this, um, this project here. If I'm going to put this project here, I can't plant people without the things that they need to grow, right? right. So if I'm going to put that mixed use project there, I need to have childcare, I need to have a grocery store. Right. Like those are the mindful things that we need to do when we're community planning. That's true. That's we, we want to give them access, but Having access doesn't mean that I put you in, I, I, put, I put these new apartments in Redbird, I still don't have a grocery store, right? Right. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I'm bringing the people, of course, excited about the redevelopment, but there also needs to be that component to help the people grow. The necessity, the grocery Absolutely. store. Absolutely, absolutely. The grocery stores. Absolutely, I'd love a Trader Joe's my way. Oh. What? <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, 
<laughs> but it's one of those things, right? It, they say if you build it, then they'll come, but you have to invest in there too. There's not even a Walmart in that area, Redbird area I anymore. Yeah, yeah. the one that was off Wheatland is closed. So then if we're talking about big market grocery stores where we can have access to those healthy options, it's not one in that area. Right. So the question is, when are you get one in the area? That's the million dollar question I want to know. If anybody finds out, please let me know. <laughs> let Taryn know too. <laughs> Absolutely. So... Well, I want to, I didn't mean to cut you off, my apologies. Um, I want to talk about um, food deserts. That's what, because I was like, we got to talk about these food deserts because they do exist. And you, you said about the food desert in, in um, Fort Worth. Absolutely. And so me talking about the food, food deserts, why do low-income communities have less access to healthier food and grocery options as compared to the more affluent communities. It's all about um, where that dollar turns. So just a little idea of what a food desert is. It means that you are in an area where there is a lack of healthy food options within miles, right? Okay, what's of the course, we're miles. Uh, I don't know the exact mile mileage, but it's definitely FDA regulated. It, these areas are heavily monitored and heavily poured into because of this issue, because of the, the health effects and the mental health effects that we see with that, right? Okay. But, but when we say food desert, we don't mean that there's not like a Taco Bell or a KFC there, because those are mm -hmm. there, right? We're talking about right. healthy food options, like right. grocery stores of quality, mm -hmm. not a convenience store with a possible meat aisle. I think a lot of that comes back to um, where the dollar turns at, right? Yeah. We are seeing a lot of cities in the southern sector that are not producing jobs anymore, right? Mm. So then your property value is going down, people okay. are moving, and so with the property value going down, that does bring in a opportunity for some people who have a lower income to grab those opportunities, right? right. To live in those areas. But if the, now the areas are a lower income of lower value, if a business owner looks at that, I'm not putting a grocery store there where the mean family value is only $20,000. They can't yeah. pour into me. They can't feed into that grocery store. They can't support that, yeah. that Trader Joe's because of the mean income around there. That's true. The markup on Trader Joe's food is a little higher than what it would be at a Walmart. That is very true. So when we're looking at why they don't have that access, it comes back to how that dollar turns. Mm. If my mean family income is $150,000, then guess what? I'm going to have a Whole Foods in that area. Absolutely. Because I have that disposable income to pay for $7 strawberries. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. It's just honest. It's yeah. exactly what it is, right? Like, if you have the possibility to have that that extra income to pay for that higher markup, that higher quality, because eating healthy is not cheap. It's absolutely right. Absolutely. So if you have that that financial capability, then you'll have it in your area. And yeah. if you don't, you don't. You won't. Absolutely. You know, I'm glad you broke it down like that. Sometimes when you when you grocery shop, you just don't see the like seven dollar seven dollar um strawberries when you said that i kind of gasped like dang am i not paying attention to the prices no i mean have you been to the grocery store lately yes it, the food pantry lines are a little bit longer these days not just because we're still in a pandemic but because that high markup doesn't get you what you would normally get Absolutely. on your food budget yeah and I'm exaggerating. Strawberries may not be seven dollars, okay, but they're not, not. They're not ninety nine cents anymore either. <laughs> they're sure right? Not. They're sure not. They're absolutely sure not. not. That food markup is atrocious right now, it, and it it's is. inflation, right? But if the inflation rises and food markup rises, and my income doesn't, 
Absolutely. Something's got to shift, right? Absolutely. If gas is high, childcare is high, and yeah. food is high, what, what am I to do when my income didn't change? Yeah, that is very true. Um, I actually, we, we spoke about that. You know, it's just like I was saying, you know, I go to the grocery store and I used to spend 50 because it's just me in my poodle. Now I'm spending 75 dollars a week. That's a lot for one person, I think. And I cook. And sometimes I do 100. I'm like, where are my groceries? <laughs> what just happened? Honestly. And so just, just imagine those that live in those disparity communities, those, those that, that have low income. Or fixed income. Or we, fixed, our yes. elderly is a population that we don't talk about. I know we talk about children and we talk about um, parents or moms who are pregnant, but we don't talk about our elderly. Absolutely. Inflation, Social Security has not changed anything on their check that they're getting monthly just because we're having inflation. Absolutely. They're still having to make ends meet on that set income. Absolutely. So are they cutting back on their medication? Or groceries, or groceries. Which, which then turns into other health issues, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So us talking about um, food deserts and um, ways to educate um, ourselves on food disparities com on communities, I want to talk a little bit about what can you and I, what can we do um, to get our, voice, our voices heard by local politicians in regards to the food deserts? I think one of the biggest things you need to do in your area is find out who is your city council rep. Absolutely. Who covers your area? That's your Absolutely. main line of communication for planning, zoning, development in your area, mm -hmm. right? That's your first line of defense on, hey, I do want this Trader Joe's here. Absolutely. You have to know who covers your area. Mm. Part of that is being active, it's voting, it's being aware of what's going on and what's being decided for you in your area. Yeah. If we're talking about what we can do, that's the first line of defense, right? Okay, okay. So we go to the first line of defense, which is find who your politicians are. So after we do that, what organizations can you, could, could you suggest? Not necessarily for my area, but one particular organization that I'm super excited about is the um, Oak Cliff Veggie Project because they really teach that self-sustainability, right? Okay. Without a grocery store, without a huge um, food market, how can we still eat healthy and show the community that healthy eating can be done? They do a great job of planting beds where they grow fruits and vegetables and give them away to the community when they're ready. So do you, you think you and I can go down there and check them out? Absolutely, absolutely. And, Andre, you gonna come down there with us? <laughs> <laughs> so look, this is the date. Is it, this oh, I'm down, I'm down. And if, and if they're not available, say it with your test. Dallas, Texas is also a great organization that does some great things around um, working with communities and food. Okay, okay. Well, um, this podcast is gonna, we're ending it, but um, I want everybody to um, just take breath and think about those that are really having like issues with food disparity, disparity communities and ask yourself, how can I help them? You know, we live in a community where we should be able to help each other. Absolutely. And just because I'm not suffering from a food disparity or, or, or my income or anything like that doesn't mean when I see somebody on the way to work or getting, or, or, or going to some type of event that are not suffering from those type of issues. And what I, I would say, and what I su would suggest, um, just, hey, how can I help? And I do that all the time. Sometimes I don't give them money because I don't want them to be buying drugs. 
I'm just gonna be honest. But if I if someone says I need food, I'll feed you all day. And so um, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode. Um, I want a favor. I'm always because it's my birthday month. I wanted to end this with right. Yes, it's my birthday on Sunday, March 27th. Um, do me a favor, and I want you guys to to follow us. I want you to follow the Help Show. I want you to subscribe to our um, Apple Podcast, Podbean, our YouTube. Um, if you have any questions, please you can email me at info at and I always answer back. Um, also, if you want to be a volunteer, please volunteer. Um, come in. Uh, I'm losing thoughts and words. <laughs> please um, email info at thehealthshow.org. And I would love for you to come and join. So thank you for listening. And please stay tuned. The Health Show wants to thank all of our partners. Auckland Research Associates, NJI Holding, Good Coworking, Gift in Mind Foundation, Duke's Hair Studios. We'd like to take a moment and thank everyone in our listening audience for listening today. We'd also like to remind everyone that we are a nonprofit organization operating entirely off the generous support of our donors. If you'd like to give to our organization, we appreciate you. You can send your donation via Cash App, Money Sign, The Help Show, or on our website at www.thehelpshow.org. There's no donation too small. Every dollar given will strengthen our efforts. If you'd like to donate $1,500 or more and become a VIP sponsor, then we have some additional packages listed on our website. And you can visit us at www.thehelpshow.org the help show.org for more details.